if you're innovating, creating, or making a difference. This show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. Vibration is a really potent recovery tool. Vibration, because it's natural motion, stimulates the mechanoreceptors more directly. So you're blocking it right there, but you're also decreasing the sensation of pain from the brain directly. You know how it feels when you pull the muscle, or maybe you're tired and your lower back is complaining, or you're getting a headache from the way you've been sitting at the computer. Ouch. Dr. Amy Baxter is an emergency care physician who's also a pain researcher and the inventor of several consumer devices aimed at relieving pain, drug-free and in a non-invasive manner. During CES 2019 in Las Vegas in January, Dr. Baxter, who is the CEO of Atlanta-based Pain Care Labs, was exhibiting and demonstrating her products in the Eureka Park startup area. The following program is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional with any medical questions. Dr. Baxter, you have a really interesting innovation here, which I got to try yesterday and it worked really well. Please tell me about this one. Sure. So we make pain relief devices that are called VibraCool and Buzzy, and our new one is the Duotherm. And we use temperature and vibration simultaneously to relieve pain. The way that it works is the same concept if you burn your finger and you stick it under cold water or you bump your elbow and you rub it, you're overriding the pain signal with a stronger mechanical stimulus. So one of the neat things about using vibration as a mechanical stimulus instead of an electrical twitch like a TENS unit is that vibration, because it's natural motion, stimulates the mechanoreceptors more directly. So you get that pain relief from the overriding with the mechanical stimulus more directly. You don't have to deal with the feeling of an electrical twitch, and most importantly, being able to use particularly ice in combination with this gives you a different physiologic pathway called descending inhibitory control. So you've got the blocking of the pain right where it happens, like with the burned finger or the bumped elbow, so you're blocking it right there, but you're also decreasing the sensation of pain from the brain directly. How did you, as a medical doctor, first come up with Vibracool and Buzzy? You know, I didn't know any of the physiology. You don't learn this stuff in medical school as a daily part of your business. But my son had a really bad needle pain experience, and I was trying to figure out how to replicate the sensation of cold running water on a burn, but make it able to portable so you could take it with you to the doctors for your IVs or your shots or your blood draws. And one night coming home from an overnight shift in the emergency room, I was thinking about the running water and my hands were on my steering wheel and the wheels were unbalanced, so it was vibrating. I was trying to figure out water, trying to figure out water, and I went and I reached for the door of my house and realized my hands were numb from vibration. So I was like, ah, I don't need running water at all, I just need vibration. And when I came in and tried it on my kids, who were at that point one, three, and five, so they glom on me in the morning like puppies when I come home from a shift, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to poke you. <laughs> and I, I put this little handheld massager on the backs of the wrists and used something called a Wardenberg wheel, which is a neurologist tool to test sensation. It's a little pokey. And it didn't work with just vibration alone, but when my husband said, well, let's try frozen peas, the combination of the ice and the vibration together 
I could leave marks on their hands and they couldn't feel it. So at that point, the die was cast. I knew I would never be Mother of the Year because I tell people in interviews on the record that I left marks on my kids' hands. Uh, but, but it also, it was sort of a big moment. I mean, we realized right then, wow, this is really simple technology that's got some profound implications. From there, that incredible idea, the eureka moment behind the wheel, buzzing your kids, mom's home. <laughs> what was the journey like for you to go from there Make what you've made and have it here at CES 2019. Wow. Well, I never thought August 4th of 2004 when I had this moment that it was going to take this long a journey. I didn't do anything with the idea until 2006. I made a prototype. I took apart cell phones. We smashed them, and the kids and I had a fun time harvesting cylinder motors. <laughs> and finally just had this compulsion that I needed to do something more broad than just for my kids. I had the prototypes. I would take it with them to the doctors so we knew it worked. But as a scientist, I couldn't trust that it worked for everyone and wasn't just placebo for my kids. So I needed a grant, and at that point I had moved to a non-academic role, so I couldn't get NIH money until someone told me about the SBIR, Small Business Innovative Research Grants. So I had to start a company so that I could get a grant. I started a company, I got the grant, and then we were able to fund it and launch 2009. I figured someone would just buy it immediately because it was such a brilliant idea. No one really wanted a niche needle pain device, but when people started using it for blocking pain after surgery and reducing opioid use, that was really when I decided to quit practicing medicine and devote full-time, and that was 2016. So it's been an unexpected journey. I didn't ask you one word about your career as a doctor. You said you were an emergency medical doctor, but we didn't talk about your background. What kind of a doctor? I did a pediatric residency, then I did a child abuse fellowship, then I did an emergency fellowship, and then my husband told me I had to get a real job, so I quit doing fellowships, and I took a clinical academic research position at UT Southwestern, then moved up to Atlanta, and that was the job that I took primarily to get access to a sedation database so I could do research on that. So I've always done academic emergency research, and my focus has been in suffering. So I did a validated nausea scale for children with cancer called the Baxter Animated Retching Faces Scale. It's all about the acronym. You've got to be able to get a good acronym to get a good grant. So validated the BARF scale and then moved on more towards needle pain in my research. I love BARF scale. It's science with a sense of humor here. Well, it's interesting because it's now validated in Spanish and they're validating it in Chinese and I, I'm not sure what they call it in those languages. <laughs> Coming back to 2016, now people are starting to accept this device. What's next? Well, one interesting thing about technology and medicine is that they say you can come up with a cure for dead and doctors won't adopt it for 10 years. So it's been really fortunate with Buzzy that I had a day job because I was able to continue working in the emergency department while the literature grew. And it's such low-hanging fruit that there are now 28 studies done all over the world independently because it doesn't take too many patients to prove that it is effective and there's always a new indication, whether it's an adult getting a diclofenac injection or a kid getting umbral or Humira or someone doing a finger stick for their blood glucose, there's lots of different ways to use Buzzy, so there's lots of different studies that someone can do. So that gradual accumulation of data over time has been really useful because now it's almost 10 years, this year it is 10 years, and we've become really widely accepted for pediatric emergency departments in particular. The 
hard part for us now is trying to make sure that people understand that it's all the same pain nerve. So whether you're blocking needle pain with fuzzy or you're blocking knee pain with vibracool, you're still addressing the same pain nerve, the same physiology, the same principle of that burn under cold water. So there are additional benefits that vibration has for musculoskeletal complaints. You've got inflammation that the ice reduces. You have vibration that increases healing. It increases the expression of growth hormone. It remodels bones. Vibration is a really potent recovery tool. And we're just starting to have people all over the world that are interested in doing some research with Vibracool specifically for these kind of musculoskeletal complaints. What do you see as we age? People get arthritis, our bodies don't work as well. What kinds of responses and what kinds of results do you see when you use Buzzy or Vibracool? What I have learned most about chronic pain is that particularly in the United States, pain has such meaning for depression, end of life, who we are. In other countries, who we are is not as related to what we look like and how we function. But in this country, we don't deal well with decrepitude. We don't deal well with going, what if I can never play golf again? What if my knee is always like this? And so because of that overlay of fear, it's really important to have a device that patients control, that patients can buy, that is easy to understand and use, because having some of that empowerment that relieves pain is a huge part of what we need in this country to relieve pain. As we age, there's also a phenomenon called central sensitization, which is that your body pays more attention to an area of pain and puts in more receptors and becomes more exquisitely sensitive to being worried about this area. So they've done studies with knee replacement that found that in the brain, the thalamus actually enlarges in response to chronic knee pain, and it goes back to normal size after a knee replacement. So that knowledge about how the brain really adapts to pain and becomes more able and more sophisticated at feeling pain is one reason why being able to use multimodal solutions is better. Some days the vibration's gonna feel better, some days cold's gonna feel better. For our new Vibracool Flex, we added heat because some days you want to just be soothing and feel comfortable and not necessarily be treating the problem. All of that combines to an important part of addressing the, not the pain at the level of the knee, but the pain that comes from your brain. You reference how differently we see pain here in the United States. How differently would you and I see it as women as opposed to the way men might see it? We suck it up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is a fascinating area of research that actually abuts moral reasoning research. So looking at how men and women solve problems is really relevant to how we perceive pain. Men tend to be more linear and hierarchical. They weigh two different things, pick one right answer and just go with that. Women, because we've got 96 million more base pairs on our X chromosome, we are a lot more contextual. We have double copies of the ability to have social perception and this makes us value and, and weigh a lot of different factors in how we solve problems. So in the construct of pain, women are going to be more likely to distract themselves. Women are going to be more likely to find multiple different modalities to fix something and not be depressed when one answer doesn't work because we're used to looking for multiple solutions. Guys, on the other hand, are much more devastated when they have one new pill that's supposed to work and it only reduces pain 30%. The flip side of that though is that because we have a lot more demands and expect more of ourselves and have the acute sensitivity for letting other people down, when we get a chronic 
pain that impacts our activities of daily living, we may be more susceptible to depression and to catastrophizing than men are because we are so sensitive to, to failing and letting others down. I'm thinking, yeah, I've got this backache. Now I can't go to the meeting and be a good speaker or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, there are always all these ramifications that are outside of ourselves for when we're not able to deliver what our bodies usually should give us. Is there some way to block what you were talking about before, the receptors that make you more aware of pain as you get older? The blocking part, again, it sort of implies an all or none solution. The trick with central sensitization is that once you've had chronic pain that has built up this intense sensitivity to pain, it takes a lot of time to dismantle that. The analogy I use is if you live in a house and one window keeps getting broken into, you're going to add a whole lot of alarms to that window. When the person who breaks in gets put in jail and you're really no longer at risk, those alarms are still going to sometimes trigger even though there's no danger. That's exactly what chronic pain is like. You put up a lot of extra alarms and dismantling them itself takes some time. So part of the way you can accomplish that is concentrating more on values, what you want to do, what's important to you. So instead of focusing on, I'm going to rate my pain on a one to 10 scale every five hours, instead just decide, I'm going to ignore the fact that I have pain. I'm going to go to the gardening club. I am going to bake this. I am going to get down on my knees and find that wrapping paper because the activities that we value are distracting enough to reduce pain by half. And over time, when you distract yourself, when you find other ways to deal with pain, and the time passes, that itself dismantles a lot of these unnecessary pain alarms. That's an exciting finding. I don't realize how very powerful our brains are until we have a conversation like this one. You know, one of the things we did early on with Buzzy was realize that the distraction part was a critical thing to add to the pain. So the paradigm that I've been teaching for a while is pain, fear, focus. So it's not enough with the experience to just address pain. Buzzy by itself didn't do much for the people that were already terrified of needles. Over about three uses, Buzzy reduced the pain and reduced the anxiety, but it took a few times when you're already anxious. So I made something called distraction cards, which are visual finding and counting games they're, they're so simple, but they've been studied in three different independent trials and found to reduce the pain of an IV by half. And all you're doing is looking at it and saying, how many monkeys are jumping on the bed? Which monkey has three fingers? How many monkeys have glasses? And we have them for cows and spaceships and cats and, and just all of these different robots, all of these different kinds of cards so that there's variety for kids with chronic conditions who have multiple procedures. But the profound thing is, you can decrease pain by half if you cognitively decide that you're going to focus on something else besides the pain. And when you focus on something else, it relieves fear. So pain, fear, and focus, buzzy by itself for pain wasn't enough, but when you had a distraction, it was. For Vibracool, just the act of being able to do it and that empowerment reduced fear. So I still strongly believe that whatever the pain is, that pain, fear, focus is still the way to approach it and adults don't need to look at cards necessarily, they can distract themselves with the things that they love to do. Sounds like we're talking now about the art of managing pain and getting rid of pain. <laughs> you know, a good definition of art is when you want something to exist so badly you have to make it yourself. And I feel really satisfied that the contributions I've made in science have been because I have wanted them to exist so badly that I couldn't get anyone else to do it and I had to make them myself. I think that 
understanding that it's not a single solution makes women particularly good in the STEAM fields at not being satisfied when you have one answer but continuing to go. John Cleese of Monty Python fame has a magnificent 23-minute talk on creativity. And he said that he wasn't the funniest Python and he wasn't the best Python, but he was the most diligent Python. And so instead of being satisfied with his art when he came up with something funny, he set aside time for pondering to think about well, what might be funnier, or what might be funnier. And so that diligence of not being satisfied with one answer, but continuing to look for other answers and continuing to add until you have something that is really a superior solution, I think that is part of the art of science. I'm starting to see people say, wow, these drugs don't work half as well as distraction, as VR, as what you've just said about Vibracool and Buzzy. What's the most exciting thing you've seen within maybe the last year about that area? Well, you know, one thing that you're getting at is something called the number needed to treat. And it turns out that the FDA will approve a drug if it has a 30% efficacy, which means that you need to treat five people with a drug to get one strong response. So that's not that great. What's exciting to me is this understanding I got from Bob Tillerson, who's the head of integrative pain management. He said, it's really about math. There's not anything that reduces pain completely. The distraction at 50% is a whole lot better, actually, than most of the modalities we have. But if you layer them, then you take one thing that works and decreases pain 30%, and then you add another one that decreases at 30%. Well, now you're around 52. Then you do another one, and you're 67. So it's this concept that people can tailor their own pain management and keep trying. I think it's not technical, but magnesium is the most exciting thing that I have learned about recently because the, the magnesium supplementation, just purely taking the vitamin, that half people are magnesium deficient, and you're more likely to be magnesium deficient when you have chronic pain. People who have rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, magnesium helps decrease the inflammatory component of both of those, and it's a neuromodulatory protector, it's an NMDA blocker, all of these sciencey things just mean that right now we're trying to approach all of these different pathways with lots of different drugs. Just having enough magnesium takes care of it, and I can tell you as a chronic pain sufferer that when I have magnesium, I am much less likely to notice my neck hurting, and when I quit taking it, like when I'm on vacation or I forget to take it on a regular basis, I am much more aware of how much my pain bothers me. So layering magnesium with vibration, with heat, with massage, and with getting distracted by being at a consumer electronics show and having so much going on all around, that combination of both a simple over-the-counter supplement and the ability to distract, I think that's the thing that's really excited me the most. On the subject of CES, Vibracool and Buzzy, where are you with them right now, and where do you want to go with them? So Buzzy is in about 5,000 hospitals and clinics. We're in 29 countries. I am intentionally keeping it reusable because most of our consumers are people with cancer, women who are on IVF who need to use it on a daily basis, children who are taking drugs or insulin or have to test themselves, and I don't want to intentionally make something disposable that puts them in a worse financial situation. Fibrocool, though, is something that 
the market is so much bigger than for needle pain because everybody hurts, it's like the REM song. And the, the reception here at CES has been tremendous. We have had people from the AARP who want to put it in all of their magazines. We've had people from the Sharper Image. We've had multiple different payer systems, which has really been good. There's a bunch of different innovation groups from some major companies. And what's in the pipeline for us is a really amazing low back pain device. I have put in another NIH SBIR grant, like what we did to fund the Buzzy development, but what I have learned in preparing for this grant and in the R&D I've done on our products in the last couple of years is that there is this explosion of research on different frequencies and the ways that vibration addresses pain. There are multiple, there are four different receptors and different frequencies and different amplitudes do different things. So I am so excited about having the opportunity in the next few years to understand more exactly where and how and what frequencies and what amplitudes are going to block pain in different areas of the body. So I, low back, chronic low back pain is the sixth most expensive malady in the United States. There's 120 million people who will suffer for it at some point in their lives. And we have a really strong solution that works so well that everybody's borrowing our prototype and walking around with it. So that's what's coming up next is some intensive R&D that's not only going to expand our product portfolio, but it also is really going to expand the science of understanding how to address pain without drugs. How do people find out more about your products right now? Vibracool.com buzzyhelps.com and the, the central repository for all of our work is paincarelabs.com. So you can Google me and find out more than you wanted to know <laughs> at Amy Baxter, MD, I'm on LinkedIn, but the paincarelabs.com is the one central place that then can take you to whichever of our products you're interested in knowing more about. As we wrap up here, if people could only get one thing from you, Dr. Baxter, about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you really like them to take away from you and the work you've done? It's really smart to be simple. And a lot of what we see at the Consumer Electronics Show and the direction people are going with wearables and trackables and computers and, and social media, it, the core fundamental values of, of what we are as people, it doesn't have to be complicated to make your life better. So simple solutions are often the most profound and Things don't have to be expensive and they don't have to be technical to make a big difference in somebody's life. This is great. Thank you for your time today. That has been such a pleasure. I'm so glad you asked me to do this. Thank you. You and I have been listening to Dr. Amy Baxter, emergency physician, pain researcher, and CEO of Pain Care Labs in Atlanta. She's also the creator of Buzzy, Fibercool, and quite a number of other forthcoming exciting pain relief devices about which you can find out more at paincarelabs.com. That's paincarelabs.com. If you're interested in specific devices here, look for Vibracool at vibracool.com, as Dr. Baxter said, and Buzzy at buzzyhelps.com. The preceding program was for informational purposes only and was not intended as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional with any medical questions. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more Over Coffee podcasts, our link is twomavericks.com. That's T-W-O-M-A-V-E-R-I-X.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. 
I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.